Now, if you're new with us, my name's Trent. I'm one of the pastors on staff here, and you came on a great Sunday because we are in part three of a series called Imagine. And we're talking about the big vision that God has given us as a church over the next several years. And our Imagine vision is built on Ephesians 3.20, which says, now all glory to God who is able through his mighty power at work within us to accomplish infinitely more than we can ask, think, or imagine. So we're exploring what God's asking us to do uh, over the next several years. If you haven't received one of our Imagine folders, I encourage you to pick that up at the back of each seating section. You can get one of these. And inside this folder, you'll find a brochure that tells you the history of our church and, and a little bit more about the vision of our church. You'll find a card with some key dates on it. And I encourage you to put October 15th on your calendar. That's one of the next big events in this series for us. And this card will tell you about more of the dates that we have there. Then on the back, you have a prayer guide that can guide you in how to be praying with us through this series. And there's some other great information in this folder. I encourage you to get if you haven't gotten that yet. Now, our imagined vision involves three initiatives or three top priorities represented by these letters here on stage. So the P stands for. OK, wait a minute. Wait. We were like mumbling that one. We, like, we got to be like clear on this one, church family. We got to know what this is about. OK, so the P stands for pursue. pursue. The S stands for the T stands for you put them all together. And what do we get? OK. So if you're new, you're like, what in the world's that all about? So when you're trying to discreetly get someone's attention, often we'll say, psst. But I think God is trying to not discreetly get our attention, but get our attention and say, psst, imagine what I can do in you and through you. Imagine what I can do when you ask me. Imagine what I can do when you join me and what I'm trying to do in the world around you. So this is what our initiatives look like in print. So number one, uh, our top prior priority is to pursue our community, to let them know that God is for them. Number two, to serve our community by meeting more physical, emotional, mental, and spiritual needs. And then number three, teach our community how to live in a life-changing relationship with Jesus and build our permanent church home where we can serve our community better. Last week, we talked about pursuing. This week, we're going to talk about serving and when we were talking about pursuing last week, I asked you to turn in or fill out and turn in these Imagine Three cards. And I asked you to write on these cards the name of three people that you're praying for and what you're praying for them for. Could be salvation, could be healing, could be reconciliation, could be any number of things. I asked you to fill these out. And I told you that we'd be praying with you throughout this series up to November 5th. So that's for the next six weeks or so. Well, you turned in a few cards. You turned in 247 cards, okay? <laughs> Representing 752 people. You've given our elders and our prayer team and our staff enough to pray for for the next year. But we are gonna be praying with you over the next six weeks for these people that you put on these cards. And when God starts working in these people's lives and you see evidence of that, I encourage you to email us at imagine at theepicchurch.com and let us know so we can celebrate that with you. Now, like I said, we are going to talk today about serving. And I'm curious, how many of you like to be served? 
How many of you like to be served? Okay, come on. Like, you know, the rest of you are kind of like faking false humility there, I think. So I think a lot of us like to, to be served. Like, being served is great. Like, it's one of my favorite things. Like, it's, it's super exciting when someone does something for you that, so you don't have to do it, or they bring something to you, so you don't have to get it. Like, wow, that's fun. So several years ago, we were going on one of our trips to Guatemala. We have a partnership down there, and we, we take two to three trips a year. And so uh, we were going, and, and, and we're doing some great things down there. Well, I was taking one of my daughters with me, Maddie. So all of my kids, when they turned 13, it was a requirement in my house, you're going on an international mission trip. They didn't have a choice in it. After that first year, they could choose. And guess what? All four of my kids have gone on multiple international trips. Why? Because they loved it, because God wrecked them when they went. Well, this year I'm talking about Maddie and I were going, and when we got down to the Miami airport, we were told that four of us from our team had to wait for the next flight. So that was me, that was Maddie, that was Debbie Pekovsik, and that was her daughter, Emily. So we waited for the next flight. And right before our flight took off, they came and said, no, no, we found uh, seats for you on the plane, so come on, you can fly with your team. We were like, great, that's awesome. Guess where they put us? First class. First class. Wow. I hadn't flown first class before then. I haven't flown first class since then. it was fantastic. So we all sit down and, you know, Maddie and I and Debbie and Emily, we're, we're all like, wow, wow, this is exciting. We're going on a mission trip, first class. So we're sitting there and, and the flight attendant comes up and says, hey, can I get you a nice cold glass of water? Not like a cool bottle of water, but a nice cold glass of water with ice in it. And uh, what can we get you for breakfast? And she wasn't asking, like, do you want peanuts or do you want those cookie biscuits? She wasn't asking that. She was asking, what do you want for breakfast? I'm like, well, what do you got? She goes, we have eggs, we have bacon, we have fruit, we have a meat platter, we have cheese. And I'm like, what are you talking about? Is this what happens in first class? So here's a picture of the breakfast I ate on that flight to Guatemala doing a mission trip. Okay, so you can tell, a little blurry picture, but man, That was a breakfast. So I'm eating breakfast, and I start feeling bad for the rest of our team, who are way back in the back of the plane where there's weeping and gnashing of teeth. Like, (laughs) I feel so bad for them. Like, I'm eating this amazing meal. I'm being served at a high level, and like, they're in the back. They're probably serving peanuts back there. Like, I I don't know what they're doing. I feel bad. So I asked the flight attendant, hey, can you pull that little curtain that separates, you know, us first-class people from the rest of those people back there. Can you do that so I won't feel so bad? I didn't do that, really. I didn't. But, but I felt bad for our team that was back there. But I loved being served. That's great. Many of us love to be served. Now, when it comes to serving, not as many of us love to serve. Some of us like to serve. I actually like to serve. And, and I like to serve when it fits into my calendar I like to serve when I'll get recognized for it or I'll get appreciated for it. But serve when it's inconvenient for me. Serve when I'm not gonna get recognized or appreciated, no thanks. Like I'm not all that interested in that kind of serving. But God is calling us to that kind of serving. To serve when it's inconvenient. To serve when we're not recognized. To serve when we're not appreciated. And we're going to look at a very powerful example of Jesus doing that for us today. And we're going to see him serve out of a servant's heart. 
And I'll be honest with you. I struggle with having a servant's heart. I struggle with that. Uh, serving requires some big things of us, and developing a servant's heart requires things like humility, sacrifice, and generosity, all things that I struggle with. And if you're new, wondering why I'm teaching on serving today, that's a really good thought, and it's a really good question. Um, so we're actually going to learn from Jesus. So Jesus modeled beautifully what it means to serve on a regular basis, make it a lifestyle thing, not just an occasional thing. As Jesus was here on planet Earth, he served everyone. He served every single person he interacted with. He served the rich. He served the poor. He served everyone. He fed people. He healed people. He cast out demons. He elevated the status of people. There was not a person that Jesus did not interact with that he didn't serve. They may not have recognized what he was doing as serving, but it was the kind of thing they needed, whether it was the thing they wanted or not. So Jesus served beautifully. One of his disciples, John, records this powerful example of Jesus serving. In John chapter 13, right before Jesus was arrested and tried and beaten and then crucified, he gathered his disciples together to celebrate the Passover meal, which was a celebration that the Jews would celebrate annually to celebrate the time that God freed them from years of slavery to the Egyptians. So it was a holiday for them. Jesus gathered his disciples together and John 13 verse one says, before the Passover celebration, Jesus knew that his hour had come to leave this world and return to his father. And he had loved his disciples during his ministry on earth and now he loved them to the very end. Some versions say he showed them the full extent of his love. Some versions of the Bible say that. Verse two says, it was time for supper, and the devil had already prompted Judas, son of Simon Iscariot, to betray Jesus. Jesus knew that the Father had given him authority over everything, and that he had come from God and would return to God. So he got up from the table, took off his robe, wrapped a towel around his waist, and poured water into a basin. Then he began to wash the disciples' feet, drying them with the towel he had around him. Now, that was a very customary thing to do in Jesus' day. You know, for us, if somebody comes over to our house, we'll say, hey, would, would you like to wash your hands before dinner? In Jesus' day, it was more about washing feet. Um, and the reason for that is they would rec recline around a table, and there's a really good chance that your feet would be in somebody else's face. Okay? So you wanted your feet washed and their feet washed. As they came in, they walked on very dirty, dusty roads. So they'd come in and they'd wash people's feet. Well, in this moment, there wasn't a foot-washing servant there. So we're not sure if one of Jesus' disciples forgot to, to arrange that. Or typically, what would happen is the lowest servant in the house in that moment would do that. Now, Jesus took that role. And... You know, think if you were in that spot, if you knew that God had given you authority over everything, would you follow Jesus' example? Or would you demand that other people wash your feet? I might demand that people wash my feet. Aren't you glad I'm not God? So Jesus got down and he washed his disciples' feet. Verse 12 says, after washing their feet, he put on his robe again and sat down and asked, do you understand what I was doing? You call me teacher and Lord, and you're right because that's what I am. And since I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you ought to wash each other's feet. I've given you an example to follow. Do as I've done to you. 
I tell you the truth, slaves are not greater than their master, nor is the messenger more important than the one who sends the message. And now that you know these things, God will bless you for doing them. So Jesus basically said this. When you see a need, you should do something to meet that need. So when you're going through your your day and you see a need that's out there and you have the ability to do something about it, you should do something to try to meet that need. You may not be able to meet all the need that's there, but you should do something in that moment. Acts 20, verse 35, records Jesus saying, it's better to give than receive. Another way to say that is it's better to serve than to be served. And I've experienced the the truth of, of that statement on several occasions in my life. There have been moments when I have served out of pure motives, not trying to get recognition, not trying to be appreciated for it, and in moments where it may not have fit into my calendar, but, but I was just wanting to serve in that moment purely to help that person in need. And I've truly experienced in those moments that it really is better to give than it is to receive. And I often feel that way when I come home from one of our international mission trips. When I come home, often I'm just wrecked because I feel like, you know, I've served all week long and I've given all week long, but you know what? Like somehow, like I feel like God's given me in return way more than what I gave. And there's just something just supernatural about serving in that way with a servant's heart that that really makes that statement true that Jesus said it's better to give than to receive. It's better to serve than to be served. If you're following us throughout the week uh, on our um, midweek devotional, then this week I'm going to share a powerful example of how God used John chapter 13 to take a two by four and smack me upside the head and teach me what Jesus was talking about when he was talking about washing his disciples' feet and us following his example. It was one of the most significant ways that God did that in my life. And if you're not watching that with us yet, you're not connected, you're not receiving those emails, I encourage you to just text your your name and your email address to our church number, 386-243-0113. You can look on our website for that. You can stop by our Connection Center and sign up for that as well. And then this week on Wednesday, I'll share uh, that example, how God has used that in my life to teach me how to serve at a different level. And here's what God is calling us to do as a church family, to serve our community in some bigger ways. So several years ago, we started a care and counseling ministry because there were so many people that had so many needs at that time. And anybody remember what was happening about you know, three and a half years ago? COVID. Yeah, COVID. You remember that? Yeah. So we, we started this care and counseling ministry and we thought, oh no, what a terrible time to start a care and counseling ministry. COVID's going on. Everybody's locked up in their house. And we're not going to be able to serve people. Guess what? It was a perfect time to start a care and counseling ministry because people were locked up and there were so many needs that were going through the roof. And we had a lot of opportunities to serve. And guess what? Over the past three years, we've served around 456 families and individuals since then through care and counseling. So grateful that we've had that ministry there to be able to serve people in moments of crisis. And last year, we hired Carolyn Hussey as our care and counseling director, and she's doing a phenomenal job of building those ministry areas. Well, God's asking us to serve more 
significantly in our community. He's asking us to meet more physical, emotional, mental, and spiritual needs, and we're planning to do that in three steps over the next two years. So step number one, we plan to expand our care and counseling ministries by step number two, building a care team that can support a public ministry, and then number three, publicly promote our care and counseling ministries to our community. Now, we currently serve people in our community through our care and counseling ministry, but we are not publicly promoting it to our community. When we go to that next level over the next several years, we've got some great relationships with leaders in our community that will take us up on that offer. And when we knock on their door and say, hey, I think we're ready, we've got the foundation set for this, they will start using it at a whole nother level. So before we get to that spot, we have to get ready. We have to build our care teams to help us with that. So Here's how you can be a part of that. On your seat is a card that says Care Network. And I encourage you to grab that and you'll see four different examples, four different ways that you could be a part of our care teams and building our care ministry. So the first part here is this. Number one, it says you could join our hospital visitation team. So when somebody goes in the hospital, we understand that that's a moment of crisis. And we have a lot of people connected to our church and a lot of people in our community that don't have family or don't have good relationships with their family. And so when they go into the hospital, nobody's checking on them to see how they're doing. Nobody's following up with them to, to see if they have any needs while they're there. Nobody's checking in to pray with them. So we'd love to send people in for that, just a, a short visit to, to pray with those people, find out if there's anything that we can do to support them in that moment when they're in the hospital. So you could be a part of our hospital visitation team. You could be a part of our second team here, our elderly and homebound visitation team. So we have people connect to our church family that watch online weekly. We have people in our community that are in their homes and kind of stuck in their homes. And they don't have the opportunity to get out as, as much as they would like. And they don't have people checking in on them. So we would love to check in on those folks and see how they're doing, see if we can meet any needs that they might have while they're in that season of their life. And the third is one of my favorite uh, teams, and that's our meal prep team. You know, food's great, right? I, I love food. Um, but this team here can make meals for people who are coming out of the hospital or people who are stuck in their homes and can't make meals for themselves in a short season of their lives. And so we could put together a, a few meals, a week of meals, a couple of weeks of meals for somebody who's in that spot. And I gotta tell you, I have personally benefited from this team. Uh, many of you know that my wife has battled a health issue for the past 16 plus years. And there have been moments when my wife couldn't get out of bed. My wife was in extreme pain. And some of you brought meals to my house and benefited me. Some of you are amazing cooks. <laughs> and I've benefited. My kids have benefited from that ministry because otherwise they would suffer with me making peanut butter and jelly sandwiches in every creative way I can find. You know, I can toast them, I can fry them, I can make them regular, I can, I, upside down, you name it, I can do it with PB&J. But you have blessed my family with this ministry. We can bless other families through a meal prep ministry as well. Then the last is our team that writes notes of encouragement. So we live in this world of technology. We send a text, we send emails, but does anybody remember the last time you received a handwritten note from somebody? Anybody remember that? So a few hands, a few hands. So it takes a little time to sit down and actually write out that one of those notes in a handwritten way and to personally say to somebody, hey, I'm praying for you. I just want to encourage you. I'm just thinking about you today. 
So you could be a part of that team. And we've got some big opportunities to do that through our church family for partners that we're connected with and for people in our community through our care and counseling ministry. Would love for you to be a part of any one of those teams. You can express more interest about that on, uh, by clicking or scanning our QR code at the bottom of that card. Or you could stop by our care table before you leave and talk to Carolyn about some of those opportunities. Now, part of our vision, our pursue, serve, teach vision involves us building our church home so that we can serve our community more significantly. So here's how a permanent church home can help us serve our community. So like I've said, you know that we do significant ministry in our community already through local missions and our care and counseling networks, but we are limited in the amount of ministry that we can do without a church home. So having our own building will give us a physical presence in our community. If you drive up Beltaire Parkway on Sunday morning or down Beltaire Parkway on Sunday morning between 8.30 and 12.30, you'll see a whole bunch of cars at Buddy Taylor Middle School. And you might wonder if you're in the community, like what in the world's going on over there? And you might slow down enough to see our sign, Epic Church, and understand, oh, that's Epic Church. That's where they meet. That's the place that that serves our community. But outside of Sunday morning, where are we? Uh, No, we are somewhere. Somebody said nowhere, but we are somewhere. So we have offices, but they're hard to find. Those offices are difficult to find. Uh, We have offices in City Marketplace, and that's where our care and counseling ministry operates out of. Uh, But... Like to, you don't just drive past them and go, oh, well, that's where Epic is. Uh, now I have that connection. It's, it's hard to find us throughout the week. And so having a permanent church home can help people find us. And I think that's especially important when we are engaging ministries that are going to be public for our community. So we need a place where people can identify with us. Now, if you're new with us, we own 16 acres of land down Seminole Woods Boulevard off of State Road 100. And if you know where the airport is, you know where the high school is, you know where the hospital is, you know where I-95 is, you're in that general area. And this really is an amazing location. It sits at a crossroads of our county, from Flagler Beach to Bunnell, from North Flagler County, South Flagler County, Volusia County, St. Johns County. There are a whole lot of people that can get to this piece of property in a relatively short amount of time. I have a friend that works in the mapping and surveying industry, and he told me recently that if we were to draw a line, a four-mile radius around this location, there are approximately 4,000 new homes going in within four miles. 4,000 new homes. Not 4,000 new families moving into existing homes. 4,000 new homes that are being built. There are thousands of people around this property. And anybody notice what's happening like right here um, across from Tom Gibbs and close to the BJ's Wholesale Club is being built right there. It's underway right now. And I'm so glad that they chose to build next to us so that we could help market them to our community because who knows BJ's, right? So thanks for partially laughing. That was really a joke, okay? So a lot of people don't know Epic. They know BJ's. So, you know, we're in a great location for people to do their shopping and then drive past a church that says that they're for the community. And what I want to happen as people drive past is I want people 
to say, hey, like that's the place that says God is for me. Like that's the place that says that. That's the place that God says, that says God cares about me. And when somebody hits a crisis, a physical crisis, an emotional crisis, a mental crisis, a spiritual crisis, I want them to know where to turn. Like, where do I go in this moment? Oh, I know where Epic is. They've got a care and counseling ministry. I bet they're willing to help me. That's what I want to happen when people see our building and know where we are. Know that there's a place that cares about them. There's a place that's willing to serve them. So we are still in our permitting phase of our building and we are almost through that. So hopefully in the next few weeks, the next month or so, hopefully we'll be through that and we'll tell you uh, what's next for us as we get through that. Now, our financial, financial goal for our Imagine vision is to raise $8.4 million over the next two years. And here's how the breakdown of that looks. So 3.4 of that will go to operational expenses plus expanded ministry, again, for two years. And then $5 million of that will go to building phase one of, of our building. Now, $8.4 million is a whole lot of money. And like I said last week, if that's not a lot of money to you, I would love to talk to you after the service. I'd love to go to lunch with you and talk to you about some opportunities that we have for all of us. So that's a whole lot of money. But I truly believe if we come together as a church family and give, as a church family, I believe that God will do infinitely more than we can ask or think. Again, we're praying Ephesians 3.20. Now all glory to God who is able through his mighty power at work within us to accomplish infinitely more than we can ask than we can think or we can imagine. I want you to listen to what the Bible says about God, his nature, and his resources. Psalms 24.1 says, The earth is the Lord's and everything in it, the world and all of its people belong to him. So everything in the world that we think belongs to us or the stuff that we wish belonged to us, it actually belongs to God. And then listen to what God does with his resources. John 3.16 says, For this is how God loved the world he gave. His one and only son, so that everyone who believes in him will not perish, but have eternal life. Ephesians 2.8 says, God saved you by his grace when you believed, and you can't take credit for this. It's a gift from God. 1 Timothy 6.17, teach those who are rich in this world not to be proud, not to trust in their money, which is so unreliable, their trust should be in God, who richly gives us all that we need for our enjoyment. Tell them to use their money to do good. They should be rich in good works and generous to those in need, always being ready to share with others. And by doing this, they will be storing up treasure as a good foundation for the future so that they may experience true life. And then Ephesians 5.1 says, imitate God in everything you do because you are his dear children. So our God is a very generous God. And he asks us to follow his example and learn how to be generous as well. Now, I'm going to show you a practical guide for how we can take steps towards becoming more generous like God. I'm going to show you a chart that is called the pathway to generosity. And I'm going to zero in specifically on our finances for, for just a minute, okay? So let me just pause and, and just say a few things here. So I'm about to talk about finances for a minute. Everybody take a deep breath. Okay, I'm not going to try to get in your wallet or your purse today. 
okay? So I know when pastors start talking about money, we start squirming. I get it. I've sat and listened to pastors talk about money, and I've squirmed as well. So over the past 14 years, we've spoken about money probably less than 10 times. We don't talk about money a whole lot. But it is a significant part of the spiritual growth process. So if you're a Christ follower and you want to grow spiritually, one way that we grow spiritually is by giving back to God a portion of our income through a local church. That's part of God's plan to help that church fulfill the mission that God's given them, and it's part of God's plan to help us grow spiritually. So if you're a Christ follower, I think that's something that we all should wrestle with, and we all should take steps in doing. But if you feel manipulated by me, if you feel like I'm trying to guilt you into something, don't give here. Give somewhere else. And I mean that. If you want to grow spiritually, I think we should be a part of giving. I think that's part of spiritual growth. But I'm not trying to manipulate anybody. I'm not trying to guilt anybody into doing anything. But I think if we want to grow, we should take steps in that direction. So here's what a pathway towards generosity can look like for us. So for some of us, we've never given to a church before. I've been there. I've been in that spot where I had not given to a church before. And maybe that's the step that God's calling some of us to take. It's that, hey, why don't you start giving on a consistent basis? Like maybe some of you have never given or maybe you've given sporadically. And maybe what God is saying, like, hey, I want you to trust me by giving consistently. Every time you get paid, I want you to give a portion of that back to me through a local church. So maybe that's the step God's calling some of you to take. Maybe God's calling you to take the next step. So the next step is percentage giving. So maybe God's calling some of you up to that. So it's beyond giving you know, a, a little bit more uh, or giving some or giving a little bit more. Maybe God's saying, hey, I want you to commit to giving a specific percent of your income, like maybe 5% of your income or 8% of your income, and give that consistently every time you get paid. Maybe that's the step towards generosity God's asking some of you to take. Then there's the next step. The next step is called tithing. Tithe means tenth. That's the standard in the Bible that God has for his followers. He says, I want you to give a tenth of your income. So what that means is one dollar out of every ten that we receive. God says, give that back to me so that I can use a church to fulfill that mission that God has for me. And so I can remind you on a regular basis that everything you have really comes from me. And you can trust me with that. So, so maybe that's the step that God's asking you to take. Maybe God's asking you to take the next step, which is intentional giving. And maybe God's asking some of you to give beyond a tithe, beyond 10% of your income. And he's, he's saying like, hey, I want you to give like maybe 12%, 15%. We have staff members who have committed to give over the next two years 20% of their income. Can you imagine that? Staff members that are willing to sacrifice at that level because they want to grow in generosity and they want to help us as a church reach our financial goals so we can serve our community in bigger ways. Like that's a big deal. We've got an amazing staff around here. Maybe God's asking you to step to that next level of generosity. That's the legacy level of giving. And that's where we have some folks in our church that say, listen, like I've, I've got Epic, a, a part of my will. A portion of my income when I die is going to go to Epic, and the other portion will go to my family. But I want what God is doing in my church family to last beyond me in my life. So we have people doing estate planning, retirement giving planning. So I have no idea where you're at 
on this. No idea what step God is asking you to take, but he's asking all of us to take a step towards becoming more generous like he is. Now, I want you to listen to how just one family in our church has been walking their own path towards generosity. So listen to the Miller's story. So we first heard about Epic when we moved here to Palm Coast because I worked at Wadsworth Elementary. And for the life of me, I couldn't figure out where this church was on Google Maps that looked like it was right by my school. Turns out it met in the cafeteria on Sundays. (laughs) When I think about my kids and going to the kids' ministry, one of the things is when we were growing up, we all just went in the same sanctuary. We had to listen to the same thing as the grown-ups. Yes, um, the kids, they really ask, when is, is it church time yet? It's time for us to go to church. They ask about it, and I, I never did it as a kid. When your kids actually is interested, they're asking you questions that you cannot answer at the time. It challenges you to get in the book. It challenges you to check yourself and, hey, am I, am, am I doing this right? You know, questioning. I need to do more. I need to step my game up. We had my little one, she kept talking about her best friend. And when she was talking about this best friend, I made an assumption it was another little kid. Turns out it was Miss Annie, who was the small group leader. And um, that was a big deal for her, that small group, her age, um, her peers, and they interacted well. And she calls these young ladies her best friends. I love it because it's fun and you get to play games um, and learn about Christ and whatever um, and whatever he does to help you and what he did and love and support what he did for us today, for us to be here right now. We learned about the Bible story is Jesus Christ. Until last November, I was a school counselor, 17 and a half years, and Flagler County is definitely lacking the resources for the mental health support. So knowing that we started the care ministry and that can be expanded because in my new role, uh, I'm the homeless education liaison for the school district, I've met with quite a few organizations that Epic is partnered with, and I can just see that expanding to continue to help what we will look at as the least of these, the most vulnerable population. I remember my tithing journey. I was a college student making $120 every two weeks. And I remember writing that first $12 check and my friends are like, you're crazy. Like you only have X amount of dollars. I'll make a way. And it happened, and then like three months later, I got like another contract, and I doubled the 120 to 240. So now I write $24 checks. And from then on, um, it's always been enough. It, even when my pay changed, and I remember we had a deep conversation with our pastor in Jacksonville, because we we're like, I'm confused. Do I pay on the net? Do I pay on the gross? And say, so you pay what's in your heart. I was like, you know what? We're gonna give the first off even before everybody else takes theirs. So we've been doing that and just knowing like you can see what your monies are doing to support so many ministries, so many people. 
is phenomenal. And if you just start with a little, and even if you can't start with the 10%, you start with something and you go from there. So Kevin and Rashonda, they give because they're obedient to God, because they trust God, and because they want to support the, the ministries that we have here at Epic, like our children's ministry and our care and counseling ministries. And because they give, because many of you give, we are able to serve hundreds of people in Flagler County and beyond. Well, we want to start serving thousands of people in Flagler County and beyond. And like I've said several times throughout this series, the vision that God's given us is bigger than what any one person or any one small group can do. It's going to take all of us together. It's going to take all of us pursuing our community, all of us serving our community, all of us teaching our community, and all of us giving to help us build a facility where we can continue to do those things to serve our community in some bigger ways. Now, I want to show you an example of how we could take steps in that direction. And here's a, a gift chart, just an example of a gift chart of how we could get to that $8.4 million goal. And I understand this could be hard to read on the screens, but there's actually, this chart is on our intention card in our folder, so our Imagine folder. So if you'd grab that at some point later today, you'll be able to see this. And again, it's an example of, of what uh, people could give at different monthly levels and different annual levels, and you add that up over a two-year time frame, what that looks like for a two-year commitment, and then adding all those together, it, different numbers of people giving at those levels and what that could look like to get us to the 8.4. So here's what I think God's asking us to do. He's asking some people to step onto the chart somewhere and, and commit to give at some of these lower levels of the chart. He's asking others to step up to giving towards the middle section of this chart. And then he's asking some to step to give up towards the higher levels of this chart. And it's going to take all of us working together to reach that $8.4 million goal and go beyond that goal. So it's going to take all of us doing that together. And again, I hope that you'll be a part of that with us. Now, for those of you who want to grow in generosity and want to be a part of what God is doing in us as a church, I encourage you to pick up the card that you had on, on your seat, the Care Network card, and flip it over to the other side. There's a spot that says, How to Decide What to Give. And I'm going to walk you through this real quick. And, and this is what Tammy and I have walked through. This is the process that we took to decide what we are giving to our Imagine vision. So step number one, you see, it says, ask God what amount he wants you to give and then talk and pray with your spouse if appropriate. If you don't want to talk and spray, pray with your spouse, if you're married, then make an appointment with our care and counseling network because you'll probably need it after that. So step number one, you know, just ask God what amount he wants you to give. So Tammy and I started praying, saying, God, what amount do you want us to give? Uh, Psalms 24.1 says, everything belongs to you anyway. So what do you want us to give? Then step number two, pray through different ways that you could give, like adjust spending, sell something, you know, giving out of savings or retirement giving. So we started praying through the resources that we have. We started praying through that and saying, God, again, it's all yours, so which thing do you want to put your finger on for us to, to give in this direction? One of the cool things that we stumbled upon that we're super excited about is we have two kids. Our two youngest kids are off in college right now. And we thought, you know what? While they're gone, we could sell their stuff and give towards Imagine. Like, how wonderful is that? They come home and we have less stuff in our house and we can give in that direction. Just kidding. We're not doing that. But step number three. 
So then total up the amount that you could give. And so I sat down and I kind of figured out, you know, we could give a little bit from here, a little bit from there, make these adjustments. And this is what I think we could give. Step four, pray for a few days, asking God to confirm that amount. So we pray, spent time praying, God, is this the amount that you want us to give? Step five says, after a few days, ask if this amount will stretch you to the next level of generosity. If so, great. If not, ask God what that amount would be. And then step six is then fill out your intention card and turn that in on October 15th. So for us, what we did was we filled out our intention card saying, hey, this is what we intend to give over the next two years. And we turned that into our financial director. But then God took us back to step five. And he said, that wasn't the amount that will stretch you to generosity. That was the amount that you figured out with your math. And I said, God, I like my math. He said, yeah, but I want you to take a step of faith in trusting me. So that was your math. But I have a whole nother math that I want to do with you. And God put on my heart and Tammy's heart a different number that was not my math. And I said, God, where are those resources going to come from? And he said, will you trust me? Will you trust me to provide over the next two years so that you can give that? And I struggled with that for a little bit and kept praying, kept praying, and finally got to the spot of saying, okay, God, I'll trust you at this new level. And so Tammy and I filled out a new intention card, and then we gave that intention card to our finance director. So that's the process that we've taken. You could follow the same process. And I encourage you, if you're part of our church home, you want to be a part of what God's doing through our Imagine Vision, then take this home and just start praying through this. And I'm confident God will guide you as you start walking through that process. Tonight, we are having our advanced commitment night. So it's 6 p.m. here. Over the past two months, we've had 15 different vision meetings, casting this vision to our church family, hundreds of people in our church family in smaller settings. And so um, if you were able to come to one of those, and if if you're ready uh, to come tonight, turn in your intention card. Our leaders are going to be here tonight. Our leaders are going to be going first. And if you want to be a part of that, you can be a part of that tonight. We have a worship service, communion service, and we'll turn in our intention cards. Everybody's invited. Anybody who wants to come and be a part of that, you can be a part of that at 6 p.m. tonight here at Buddy Taylor Middle School. But for the rest of us, October 15th is Commitment Sunday. That's the day where we as a church family and all three of our services will turn in our intention cards with what we intend to give over the next two years. And I hope that you'll put that on your calendar. We'll talk more about that over the next few weeks. But I've thrown a lot at you today, so let me summarize what we've been talking about. Okay, we learned today that God serves us, and he expects us to serve others. We also learned that serving requires some really hard things, like humility, sacrifice, and generosity, things we all struggle with. And then we learned that giving back financially to God through a local church helps that church serve their community, and it helps us learn to trust God more. Let me remind you what Jesus said in John 13. He said, I've given you an example to follow, so do as I have done to you. And now that you know these things, God will bless you for doing them. Again, Jesus said, when you see a need, do something to meet that need. And then God will bless us in the process of learning to serve more like Jesus. So if you would, we're going to pray. And then our worship team is going to guide us out today in one final song. So let's pray together. And then we'll sing with them. So God, thanks for serving us the way that you have. And and Jesus, it still blows my mind that that you as God in the flesh would come to planet Earth 
and not require that we all serve you, but that you would go over all the landscape of Israel to serve people, to feed people, to heal people, to care for people in their time of crisis. And so Lord, you've done that for all of us and and you ask us to follow that example. There are thousands of people in our community and beyond who are in crisis right now. They need to be pursued. They need to be served. They need to be taught how to live in a real relationship with you. So Lord, I pray that you would open our eyes to the many opportunities that we have daily to serve people in their time of need. Lord, grow in us a servant's heart. Lord, grow in us humility, sacrifice, and generosity. Because Lord, it's those things that we do for you that will last forever. Everything else that we try to accomplish won't last very long. But what we accomplish for you will last for eternity. So Lord, help us to do something when we see a need. In Jesus' name, amen.